you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. It's only been two days, but we missed you. <laughs> Hello, friends. Hello, family. Hello, front row. Hello, back row. Hello to the other back row. Yeah, we can feel you from here. There's a healing, can can we just, um, this light right up here, can we just turn that down a little bit? Because I feel like I just got pulled over. And I don't like that feeling. <laughs> um, I'd rather let, let's have like let's let, let's how, like, let's have the lighting be more like um, like maybe we're about to like excuse me for saying maybe we're about to like fuck or something like less less. I mean you guys, not me. I got music to play. Matt's wife is here. There might be a little encore break, but I'm just... And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett. Fucking camera in the truck. everybody now welcome to live on four legs a definitive live pearl jam podcast and today is officially the last official episode of 2023 it's been a really big year it's been a great year we'll talk about it more when we get into doing the hall of fame episode next week which doesn't really count as a that's basically a a flashback episode to say at best but we had a range of shows this year that were really interesting to kind of dissect now that we're kind of on the back end of that we are moving forward into 2024 with a couple of pearl jam shows already announced And now we're talking about the second night of Chicago, more things that are recent on everybody's minds. We're going to have a good episode here because we got some stories and, you know, there is a guy that shows up on every single episode of this podcast and has been. And honestly, when I say all of that from before, 
the podcasts have been enhanced by him the whole entire year because of his knowledge base of the guitars and the instruments and the sound and, and above. And he's going to be in this episode today for the full thing, the full go around, because we were sitting next to each other. We hung out at karaoke. We basically hung out the whole entire day. So Javier is right here with us. So let's just get into this show. Last episode, let's have some fun. And it's Chicago. What not better than that? Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there, Javier Hervas over yonder. Right, all right. <laughs> well, How's it going, guys? Here, man. Yeah. Yeah, cool. thank you. Thank you for having me. I just want to give a big shout to John because for that insane version of Can't Keep at oh, the Christmas party last night, that was good, dude. That was pretty good. Well, I appreciate that. And what I told you, John, was I thought that you started strumming the ukulele and I mm. thought you were kind of doing the soon forget fuck up kind of version where he does like the stiffening stiffening. I thought you were going to end up doing that. And then he's surprised by doing just an awesome version of can't keep you got it in you. I think you got an album that you're putting out pretty soon, right? Oh, uh, doubtful, doubtful. No, it was fun. It was, it was hard to learn. I will admit I practice for a long time to make sure it was going to be decent but you never know when the camera's on you but yeah glad it worked out glad you guys enjoyed it i was trying to do something to kind of spur that song on because like been 10 years give that song some good vibes going to the new year new tour maybe we can push that one on a little bit a big shout out to brian who played society at the party and zach Great. who always has something up his sleeve and this year it yep. was acoustic out of my mind into off he goes that was something special yeah so we had a yeah, really good time good. at the party. We'll talk about that a little bit later. I think let's get into some of the stories going in. And I guess it's picking up where we, we left off from last week. So, you know, you get a big show and you wake up the next morning and Javier, you're in transit to get to Chicago. And the day is obviously because of the Pearl Jam day at the ballpark. We're doing Wrigley Field. So I bought 10 tickets thinking that I can assuredly find 10 people that want a Cubs Eddie Vedder shirt. Found them. It's very hard to sell 10 tickets or get 10 people to get somewhere for anything, but it was a good crew that came. And thankfully, we have to mention Jason Brown in this episode yet again, and maybe a little bit more later. But Jason messaged me at some point, like a couple months before the show happened. And he'd been messaging me a lot. He's like, I want to meet you. Let's get together. Let's hang out. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So he invited me. He said, you can take a friend with you. He invited me and I ended up taking Aaron Redman. He said, you guys want to be my guest to go down to the field at Wrigley. And at the time he thought it was to take batting practice, which it didn't end up being, but that was more than okay, because I I really I had some anxiety about that. I'm like, I haven't really swung a bat in a very long time. I don't want to look like a fool out there. And the Cubs, the Giants didn't even take any BP, so it was okay. But like, imagine somebody invited, and, and look, I'm a Mets fan, and Aaron's a Cubs fan. So when I told him, like, I want to invite you to this, he was like, you just made my dream come true. I'm about to step on the field at Wrigley Field. How incredible of an experience is that? So if you guys haven't seen it, there's actually a video that I put together of just the whole entire day. And we'll kind of 
talk a little bit about the pieces right here. It's about a 20 minute video. You can find it on the Live on Four Legs YouTube page. We never mention it, but yes, we have a YouTube page where we post the episodes. And you can get the full scope from that video of what happened during this day, the off day. So, Wrigley game, a lot of fun. So many people that came, hung out, and yeah, just a great time. And then after that, we went to the tribute for Sean Sullivan that we had been talking a lot about at that time. It was a really nice tribute. Got to meet his parents, his sister, his whole entire family, his brother. And it was really emotional. And what ended up happening is it's all Kevin O'Rourke putting everything together and raised a real lot of money. I don't know if a full total of what he raised on me at the moment, but it was a significant amount of money for Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. I give him all the credit. He just went out there and said, I'm just doing this for my friend. I miss my friend. And it was a really powerful moment being in that restaurant and a lot of, lot of people just in there for support of him. So it was really, really just something special. And again, that's on the video as well. If you guys want to check that out. And then COVID karaoke. <laughs> Do we really need to talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. Next year I want to do karaoke again, but like it was Only twice once. in a row. Yeah, I know. I just do it outside, like social distance karaoke or something, or just demand yeah. mask at all points of that whole entire weekend. But yeah, you know, we did the karaoke and we raised some more money doing the karaoke stuff and raffles and everything like that. But it was just fun. I think Javier, you know, we're in this text chat and obviously it's been ongoing forever. And we talked a lot about how everybody got to meet up in Seattle and how at the last minute I couldn't make it because of an emergency with my son. And I really was sad that I missed that time because I was really excited to get to spend time with everybody and to get to develop this friendship. And once you get to the karaoke party, like everybody was there at Wrigley pretty much. And once we get to the karaoke party, unfortunately, Aaron wasn't there for that. But once you open the door and, and come in, I'm like, fucking Javier's here. Like, let's go. Let's party here. Just I was just so happy to see you specifically because you just impressed me so fucking much. That's all I got to say. And I'm just oh, like, thank you. All, all this shit that you've been doing for this podcast this past year, like you don't understand how much I appreciate it so much. So when I saw you for the first time, I think like Mar took a picture of it and we're like hugging each other. And it was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We really, have that really picture too. Picture. And I was happy too. It was when I was at the St. Paul shows, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's great to see everyone. I think we have developed such a cool, strong friendship with like all the rest of the guys in that chat group, right? Like Aaron, Amy, Lori, we haven't forgotten about Dukes. Dukes, if you're listening, yeah, shout out for Dukes too. And new invitee Jason as well. Yeah, and now the new member of the chaos that that thing is. But for me, it was kind of like incomplete because even though that I saw a lot of people that I really wanted to see, it was like you were missing too, you know? So this was like the reunion of the non-reunion in Seattle where we were going to meet in Chicago. So yeah, I was equally as happy as you, man. I mean, I love what you guys do here and I'm happy to collaborate with like a little piece maybe of knowledge that maybe people might be interested upon but 
yeah, I was I was stoked that night. I mean, I I know. I mean, we make fun of that it was the COVID karaoke and all that, but like it was a blast. So many great people like listening stories and about what everybody does. Like for me, the first time that I met personally, it's Marty, right? From yeah. uh, PJ Scotland, like like awesome dude and just listening to so many different stories of like what this means. Like I think I met Jill too, which it was Sean's girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, I think it was lovely gal and it just like i don't know for me it made a huge impact and and then when i was going back at the hotel i was thinking just i mean this is just night one or like this is like the first like a step of the journey that we're going to be ended up going for night two for those shows so yeah i was equally excited as you when i saw you and when i saw everyone john was missing too but we'll see john soon i hope yeah hopefully john doesn't leave a lot of excitement for that Come and say, like, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, we'll we'll just have to see. I'm just waiting for that full tour to be announced. Ever so stoic. Not giving an answer until there's an actual concrete answer to be had. Can never <laughs> do that. Again, on that video, if you want to check that out, there are karaoke performances on that. I do Animal. Marty does a live. And there's a guy named Shane, and I would love to, like, say hi to him. I think I I said hi to him afterwards, but I don't have, like, his last name. I don't know if he's on Facebook or anything. He did an amazing rendition of Breath. You remember that? The Breath guy, yeah. I was just like, okay, who are you and why you can sing so well? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, like, his lung capacity... I know. He, I think if Eddie were there, he would have he would have been impressed, you know? Like and he did it his own way. It kind of sounded like a little southern rocky and it's really really good. You definitely go check that out. Make sure you check out the video yet again. And that's the last time I'll mention this for this. So, there. Yeah, su- super nice guy too. I remember that I talked briefly with him afterwards and like super cool dude. I agree with you. That rendition of Breath was amazing. Hopefully we get him back for another karaoke and uh, shout out to Matt Cooper, who he was at the Vegas karaoke and he was the champ at Vegas karaoke. And I couldn't find him to tell him about Chicago karaoke. And when we show up to the bar, he's just sitting right outside. And I'm like, holy shit, this is fucking fate. So we got to do hunger strike together. And that was pretty fucking cool. I made him do Cornell and I don't think he was too happy about that. though. <laughs> All right, so next day, you and I spent some time. We went to a record store, and we just hung out there for a little bit. And I guess the whole tie-in, which was really interesting, going back to last week's episode and talking about the show closer in Surrender, we were all digging through records, and I saw this, and I looked at it. You know, Cheap Trick Live in Bidokin, and, you know, didn't think much of it. But you got to it, and you turned it around. You're like, hey, I think we have something here. Yeah, because it was signed. <laughs> yeah, it was signed. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. What is this? And then you remember that we started kind of like to Google Rick Nielsen's kind of like autograph. And we were both like, hmm, this looks pretty close to it. So, yeah, and it, and it was like very decent price too. So, seven yeah. bucks, I believe. Yeah, yeah. It was nothing more than that. I mean, they had a pretty good selection at that store. It was more like uh, jazz and all that kind of stuff, like different than my aisle that, that I would pick. But, and I don't know, I, I, I felt that it was not for me, but then I thought, well, well, 
Randy wants to take it, and that's what I told him. Hey, it has a signature. Do you want to take it with you? And you can tell it's legit because he has the most unique signature. It's basically he autographs things with his face. He draws his face on his autograph. So it was very distinguishable. And I got you turned on to a Cars record that not a lot of people have heard of before, Panorama, and you you dug that, right? Oh, yeah. And thank you for that. I I remember that you told me, like, listen to this, because it's kind of like breakthrough for that time. And, like, I'm always trying to listen to stuff that is going to inspire me or, like, look for different ways to listen to music and to approach to music. And... When I was playing the record at home, I think I texted you right away. And I'm like, I think I said something like, you were right or something like that. <laughs> but I'm like, this this album is just like, it's good stuff. And it's so underrated. And yeah, I, I have it on my playlist right now. And I'm listening to it. Like I was goofing around with my pedal board a couple of weeks ago, trying to like get some sounds out of that too. So pretty cool record. Well, everybody knows who the cars are and everybody knows the hits, but they have a fucking great discog. So go out there if you want to listen to some non-hit stuff from the cars panorama is an excellent record so there's another rick nielsen tie-in to this and we didn't know it at the time but aaron and jordan came and picked us up and we went around we went to and i'm not good with names of breweries aaron's gonna sit there in his car right now and be like oh it's this it's this like (laughs) most likely he's doing that right now and right now yeah, most likely he's going to be like, why wow, you guys cannot remember the name? And then right now he's texting me saying, it's this, it's this, it's this. <laughs> so I, I give you that window, Aaron. <laughs> Pause the podcast here. So the pizza place that he took us to is like a brick oven pizza place and brewery. And apparently Pieces. Rick Nielsen was that the name. What was it? Pieces. Pieces. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Maybe. I think it was pieces. Yeah, okay. I think well, I might be wrong, but I think it was pieces. Now, how, uh, you're going to get a text from Aaron. So yeah, we'll just find out on your text. <laughs> so apparently, that brewery Rick Nielsen was a partner, which is just crazy. The tie-ins from that day. I just wanted to bring that up. So we got to mention that yes, we did go to another brewery, and uh, you and I had not one, but two shots of Malort. What'd you think? Did we have two shots? <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. I don't know why. And then afterwards, when we went to Mother Hubbard's, I had another one. I don't know oh. why. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now I remember. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, we were celebrating your birthday, I guess, or the, yeah. Or, yeah. That, was, that wasn't a very good present. Yeah, Put I remember when we were at um, what was the name of this place, Goose Island. Like everything was happening at once, and there were so many people to talk to. And yeah. like I, I, I remember Nick, like such a awesome dude as well. We ended up hanging out with him, and then met Brian for the first time. But yeah, there was a lot of like glasses going around <laughs> consistently. So yeah, that was, that was fun going to goose and pre-gaming a goose and we did some live streaming there and getting to meet and reunite with some people glenn was there and uh dave ritter was there and dave money Yunus was there it was funny I, i'll bring this up because it's like one of these small world things but you know both daves were there with their wives and it's funny it's like dave introduces like hey i'm dave this is my wife kathy and dave says oh i'm dave and this is my wife kathy 
<laughs> this freaking small world kind of stuff. So, I mean, we had so much fun. We had so much fun. And then just like the car ride getting to the arena and taking pictures everywhere of everything. Like Aaron made sure that we had good memories and pictures from everything. Like that's something I kind of seem to forget sometimes is I just forget to take the photos. And yeah, Aaron was really good about the memories last in this matter. So I, I appreciate that for him. Any chance that we had, we, we took in front of signs and in front of blues brothers graffiti and all that. So, yeah, it, it was just an awesome day overall. And it was just the beginning. Like we were just not even in the venue yet. Right. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, but it was an awesome day. And now that, that I'm trying to remember, I do remember the shots. So I, yeah, I, now I remember the shots. Never mind. <laughs> Lucky you for not remembering for about three or four minutes there. Cause I wish I could. Uh, yeah. It stain. was a revolution, right? Oh, well that makes sense because that was the original place. At least uh, maybe it was another revolution spot, but we were going to plan to do the karaoke there. I, yeah, it was revolution because that's Aaron has friend. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. You're right. We already got our texts. We've already, and he's already yelled at us. So we're good now. We're good now. <laughs> yeah, I think it was pieces, if I get the name right, revolution. And then it was Goose Island before we went to the venue. I think that was the right order, if I'm yes. not mistaken. Yep, that was it absolutely yeah i remember the shots now (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately yeah but it's what you do in chicago i suppose you know prove you're tough whatever we get into the venue and i love when this happens where you just kind of congregate somewhere and then you see somebody you're like oh hey come over here and you see somebody else is like, oh, hey, how you doing? And then, like, you know, maybe you're one-on-one with somebody, and then maybe uh, you're one-on-one with somebody else. And then somehow everybody just comes together, and now you have a group of eight that's in the middle of this bar <laughs> while, like, a football game or something is going on. And, again, like, funny coincidental stuff, like John Hamilton and Aaron met for the first time, and they didn't, uh, like... I I forgot, but they were in a fantasy league together. Like they did Pearl Jam fantasy in 2022 and played against each other and talked to each other and hung out in the chats and everything like that. So they're talking for like five minutes and they're like, Oh, what's your name? What's your name? And they're like, Holy shit. Oh, I didn't realize. And stupid me for not putting two and two together and like, yeah, be like, Hey, you guys know each other, right? But that's just how this stuff all happens. Again, small world kind of stuff. And, you know, they're just great photos from that night. There's a great one. Obviously, it's my profile picture on Facebook. It's you, Joey, and I. And I think you took it, right? You just did the selfie thing and and held it up really high. I just love that picture. It ended up working. Yeah, it's one of my favorite ones, too. And and Joey was there, too. And we spent some time with Joey we did uh, before i will say pre-podcast me included in san luis last year but yeah I, I was happy to see joey and hang out with him too which is joey such an amazing dude too like every single time that i i can talk to him or interact over social media or in a show he's always good stuff oh he's a good kid he's a really good kid i've become really good friends with him really close with him yeah and, shout uh, out for him he's a really good oh, kid absolutely 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 and now 
look, we have the picture of the three of us from St. Louis, which I dug on right. my phone not long ago. And I'm like, wait, we took that? I couldn't remember that. So we yep. have that picture. We have the Chicago picture. And now 2024, we're going to need another one. So just think about that for a little bit, Joey. And then like uh, Seattle, 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 Seattle. Just throwing that out there. Something oh, maybe yeah. in May might be happening in Seattle. May, May, or May. Or May. Or May. Or May. Or May. Yeah, who knows? Maybe May. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to be May. (laughs) May. (laughs) May this continue ever forward. And John probably has himself on mute right now being like, I have nothing to do with this. (laughs) Uh, I'm going through next year's schedule. The important stuff, yes, while yep. recording the podcast episode. Yeah, but you guys, like, are, you guys are doing your thing. It's a season finale, so we got to have some fun, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just like the whole day, night, and leading into the show was just great. And again, second day in a row not seeing Inhaler. I think I walked out just to like look at them for two seconds, and they were about 30 seconds away from finishing their closer. <laughs> and sorry, Inhaler, but again just not something that i was preparing to see it was just too much fun like someone came up to me and like handed me their personal pan pizza and said do you want this because i was online to get personal pan pizza i'm like yeah i guess so (laughs) it's just (laughs) random shit random shit so i have to bring jason up again because he was again the guardian angel from (laughs) that we talked about last week so we were originally supposed to be in the 300s and then oh jason was the guy that helped you jason or yeah helped, you didn't know that oh helped us no because i remember when we were like riding with aaron in and ah what was the name of aaron's friend jordan. jordan jordan yeah 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 shout out to jordan too awesome dude and you're like hey yeah i think somebody can help us out with like better seats and i'll like, yeah sure let's just do it and now i'm putting two and two together that it was jason okay Everything makes sense now, I guess, full circle. Again, there was no one more clutch. And again, he didn't hook me up. He hooked other people up. He did some nice things for a lot of people that week and and just in general, because somebody had messaged me and mentioned him and I'm like, oh, he's a really nice, good dude. And they shared their own story. And, you know, and I, I say this because I know he's listening. He's probably having a good laugh right now. But whenever you mention somebody behind somebody's back and you say good things, that means, you know, you really appreciate what they do. So, Jason, again, thanks for enhancing two shows, especially this one for Javier and getting both of us closer to the stage and down to the 100s. I mean, great experience. So. All right. Well, the stories are all fun and good. And they're great memories, but they are our memories. And I'm glad that we're sharing them with you guys. But you guys are tuning in because you have your own memories. And mostly those memories are going to be from the show. Now we can kind of rope you in and talk about something that everybody celebrated together. And when you think of celebrations and when you think about opening a show, the best way to open up and to get the crowd involved right away from the one, two, three, four, two, three, let them sing it out with the band. You get elderly woman opening this show. Your face. Oh, see. 
familiar yet I can't seem to place it Then I find a candle of thought To light your warning Oh, lifetimes, they're catching on with me All these changes take place I wish I'd seen the place But no one's ever taken me Your hearts and thoughts they fade said this a while ago that I wanted to experience Small Town as the opener because I wanted to see how that would set the tone for the rest of the night. And it was a good continuation from night one that had a really hot crowd and it was kind of saying like, okay, you were great then, you were going to start off the show and we're going to test you right away. There were some great moments in that where the crowd was just absolutely on their feet and Ed doing the Hello Chicago, that whole bit got everybody excited. Once he does that, the energy just builds and rises and it's it's a fun moment. Yeah, it seemed like they were definitely trying to recapture that spirit of night one early on. Like, let's go out and give these fans something that we know they're going to connect with right away so that we can get right back into it. Because you can tell, especially Ed early on, just seems genuinely super excited to be there. You could tell he's having so much fun. You're being very fan-friendly early on here. Like, that may not be people's best way to open up. Like, you know, people always want the rare stuff and you want to get a release and stuff like that. But... This is something different in its own right, and it's also very good where you're getting everybody on board early on, and then you're going to go into some different stuff later. I totally agree with John, man. I don't know. To be honest with you guys, when I heard a small town, I'm like, okay, I kind of understand what they're trying to do with this, but it's just like John was saying, like that grip that you get over the audience right away. I just think that it worked perfectly fine, even though that it's not... I don't know, I've always thought that maybe sometimes a small town is more like for maybe a smaller venue or a different city or I don't know, but I think it's just, yeah, I cannot agree more with John on that one. It perfectly described. And you have to say, because every time they've gone to Chicago and they've done small town, you can't do this as an opener, but he would usually do the, oh, uh, this town and, and this town, and he'd go and actually do all the places that he lived nearby, and I think he would do, like, the subway station kind of thing. So he didn't do that in this one. He didn't get the opportunity to do that. You just go right into it right away and get your crowd invested. It leads into what Daughter would be in kind of a, a fun version of Daughter, too, and it, it's such a different tone. Like, if you had opened up the show with pendulum or of the girl or something then daughter would feel a little different but elderly woman really enhanced daughter at the show it's a good combination and again just a lot of positivity injection right away the only thing i really have is that i just don't get chase lounge 
I just don't. I have never There's not much to it. Me. Yeah, it's just that one little part. There's no real melody or anything to it. Like this one, you can kind of decipher what he's saying. It's not, it's like, she's loud, she's loud, she's loud. It was like mostly that. It's kind of a mumblecore kind of thing. But it's weird. I don't think that this one should move forward into 2024 because when you have a tag, you want the tag to connect with people and do something that, again, could have had another big crowd moment there. But it's just been something that they've been doing for the last two years. And I guess that's kind of what's been on Ed's mind, what he's been listening to. So Ed says, good evening. It's only been two days, but we missed you. Say hi to friends and family and crowd in every row and just the whole thing. And then he wants a light to be turned down because he feels like he just got pulled over and he doesn't like that feeling. So he says, let's have the lighting like maybe we're about to fuck or something. And so that Matt's wife, April, is there. So there might be a little encore break. And hey, there kind of was. So who the hell knows? Now the playfulness, that's all fun and good. And the mood's going to change. That's something that we talked about on the last show where they play a big fan favorite song and then they're going to talk about Aunt Sandy or something like that. Like the mood just changes within an instant. So Ed says, before we kick in there, there's a healing property when it's played in a gathering like this played in a whole lot of like-minded intelligent people. So before we dig into our big songs, let's play this little prayer and dedicate it to friends of my friends. My friends are David and Susan and they know a couple named Laura and Max that are here tonight. And then this destroyed me. Um, the next thing out of his mouth was they lost their son, Ben. And my heart tore to shreds. Um, for those that are listening for the first time or just don't know, uh, that's the name of my two and a half year old. And, uh, like just hearing that it just kind of brought me to this moment of thinking that, you know, it's a theme that Ed brings up so often, the fragility of life and that just some other couple, a couple named Laura and Max, it's not you know, they're normal and them getting a, a shout out at a Pearl Jam show is no different than anybody else. Like it's just a normal family. And that could be anybody's Ben. That could be anybody's Michael or Matthew or Stephanie or Michelle or anybody. It doesn't matter. But when you put yourself in that moment, you hear that name. It, it just breaks your heart because it's like, well, I have a Ben and my heart would be broken in that situation too. So I could not help but feel super incredibly emotional when going in to come back. And to be honest with you, I don't know if I can really ever listen to this recording again, because I, I, I kind of had a hard time going through this when doing the research for this. And, um, it's just tough. It's just really tough. But Ed said something around the lines of him being too young to go and the light that he provided here was indelible. And I think that, you know, that sticks with you because I, I feel the same exact way about my son. You know, he brings a lot of joy into life. And when you hear that, you, you take a second and you're like, 
you gotta just enjoy every single moment of that just again a reminder that this life is extremely fragile and then we get to come back I don't think I have the powerful words that you, Randy, use to describe the situation, but I was just like soaking it all in and it was, yeah. I'm curious though, did you notice me kind of having any moment? I tried to really keep it in. Internally, I was a wreck, but like, did you notice anything? To be honest with you, no, I think you did a really good job keeping everything in. It's rare, but. but. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm the kind of person where if somebody's having that little internal journey or there's something that has like a deeper meaning that I'm able to understand, I'm always going to be like, I'm here for you, but I'm going to be like, this is yours, you know? But yeah, no, I, di I didn't notice that because I was so like captivated by this version too. Part of my brain was going like, this is beautiful. And the other one like, oh, why the guitar sounds like that? Which is makes no sense whatsoever but anyways but yeah i was just like really really absorbing the energy that it was coming from come back i heard it a couple of times the previous year last year and i didn't think it hit that well because there weren't stories really attached to it 
I think a little bit in MSG, but they played it number two after Daughter in Toronto, and it didn't really feel the same. Once he mentions somebody, and more times than not, he will dedicate it to somebody, or he will have a speech like this, but when he, he doesn't, it just feels kind of just like another song. And I think that out of all of the versions of Comeback that I've seen, probably about like five, maybe, this one probably won't be topped. So now we're getting back into a little bit of fun. Ed starts to share some pictures of his grandma and Dennis Rodman. And the whole thing kind of goes awry a little bit. And then he's like, just go to a picture, just go to a picture. And then it pops up of a picture of Ed giving the middle finger to Trump Tower. Now, the first thing that I thought of when he did this was when David Letterman did the whole picture of his kid smoking during the induction. Did, yeah. did, did you guys think about that? Yeah, I, I thought that it was going to be something like that. Like, oh, something, yeah, like a funny picture or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and it just like it caught you off guard, like in the same way. And Ed was like, "What? What is that doing there? What is that doing there?" It was so funny because what was it? Monday night, I Ubered back to my hotel and we passed by it, and I rolled down the window and then and I did. And then the next day, I'm seeing pictures on Facebook and I'm talking to people, and they're like, "Oh, I went by there before and gave it the finger." And like it kind of became this rite of passage for the weekend. I was like, once you get over there, you gotta take a picture. <laughs> and it was just it was just cool. It was just one of those things that I guess people did and subconsciously and it kind of brought us all together to be like, hey, we all thought of that. So did you end up passing by it? Did you do it or? Not on this trip, but I've done it a couple of times in the past. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and I think the other one who did it was Brian, too. I think I yep. I saw something over social media. But yeah, I, I missed this time, but I will do it the next time that I'm, that I'm going to be in Chicago, for sure. Definitely, definitely. John, you were in Chicago this past summer. Did you do it? We didn't make it over that far. We only went into the city for just like half a day. I didn't okay. get a chance to. Well, look. If plans end up being at Wrigley, then I think we should all just walk over and ceremoniously give one big bird over to the building because uh, it's very deserving. Very deserving. Anyway, not a lot of politics, but let's go back into basketball. The picture of his grandma, and it was great to see his grandma after he told the story, and that kind of ties those two stories together talking about the apartment and everything like that so he talks about how rodman took his jersey off after i think it was game one in the series against the sonics i don't remember if that was 96 i 96 is ringing a bell I'm not sure i know one was sonics one was maybe both of those other ones were jazz but the years kind of mix up with me so he said something about she was a big fan in the 70s and he said I, I took her to dinner that night and surprised her with the ticket of the game and he's like oh she dressed up nice just to go to dinner with me <laughs> and then said they won the game she got the jersey and she was so inspired that she ended up getting this massive back tattoo of dennis and the crowd just cracks up it was a funny moment he's like where's that picture where's that picture so Obviously, when you're bringing up the Bulls, you absolutely know what the next song is going to be. When they, they showed that, that long series, The Last Dance, 
Um, yeah. And for some of us, um, and, and Jeff and I were so fortunate, some of it, it felt like home movies. Um, it was so powerful, and unbeknownst to us, when the, the when it was wrapping up the whole the whole ten episodes, and then and then this next song started playing. I thought they were going to play maybe ten seconds, and the fact that they uh, it kept going and going and going, and and um, it was w one of the most meaningful things. <laughs> it was so powerful. So uh, in the building, uh, we'd like to play this one for you right now. This is a Chicago song. Even without The Last Dance, you go back to 2006 where he did kind of a dedication to Michael Jordan. He said something about like, oh, I want to take those banners down and just bring them in my suitcase or something like that. And that happened before present tense. So this has a, a tie into Chicago. I think anybody who was anybody that was paying attention knew that you were getting this song on that night. And it was terrific. After comeback, you know, I talked about kind of the tension that you could tell was going on on the seats there, and I think Mike is the first one to stand up and just toss his chair, like, nope, done with this, and Ed's the last one to get up finally, but yeah, it's perfect for that moment. This is the one that I was waiting for. I really, really, really wanted to listen to Present Tense at United Center, because I, for some reason, like, the last dance also brought like a lot of memories when I was a kid when I was watching like finals in basketball even though that I've never been a huge basketball guy it's hard to ignore the impact that that team had over everyone who understands a little bit about what they did and yeah just listening to present tense at, at, at that venue was just like I don't know if you noticed something Randy but I was trying to keep it in too <laughs> over present tense but I think um, I got the same answer as you just keep the moment for you you know yeah, and it sounded absolutely fantastic. Like, Mike sounds incredible on that back line that he's running right now with that Mike Lowell custom, and it sounded great. As I mentioned in the last episode, I really wanted to see them open with it in one of these shows, but I think you just needed that tee up to get into it. 
I do agree with you, John. I think this is the quintessential kick down the chairs song. I think there are a couple that are very good, like Retrograde and Hard to Imagine, but I think Present Tense defines this moment to get you into the rocker part of the set. So that would include here Why Go, Whoever Said, and 7 O'Clock. We're getting our first of eight, ten songs on this night. And it's trying to carry the pace in the same way that Corduroy did. I don't think that Why Go quite had that same power. It didn't have like the tension and the drama as Corduroy did building that up. It was more of like a lighthearted, fun version. Again, setting the tone, having to do with Small Town. And unlike Corduroy, Corduroy was just a massive moment. I thought that Why Go was just, all right, everybody celebrate and just have fun. You could tell that Ed is like having just a great time at this show. Like he goes up on the drum stand, he's playing it up. You can tell he's just genuinely excited to be there. And that's contagious to a crowd and the rest of the band. I do have to bring up here, whoever said, I thought it was a weird choice. We kind of teed that up before talking a little bit about it last week but i thought it was a weird choice especially kind of mentioning that the gigaton songs at least that and retrograde didn't quite hit as good as i thought they would so getting it again for the eighth show in a row for me which is just such a weird stat and then it it does feel at that point like the song has exhausted itself and i kind of liken it to the sideshow bob there's so many rakes that you can step on before it becomes funny again like i think i need a couple more times before i'm like yeah i'm into it again so i don't know it felt like it was trying too hard to get this song like hey we did it last night like let's try it again and let's try to get that energy again it was okay but i think they should have tried something else these are the only two gigaton songs that they do on this night which is weird it's a little strange this early on to do, hey, let's do two six-minute songs right in a row, yeah. brand new ones. Like, yeah, it's a weird choice. I mean, whoever said, people maybe know my opinion, it's too long. Cut it off at three minutes. It's a much better song. I don't know why they added on that whole separate part to it. I think that loses people a little bit. And then 7 O'Clock, as good of a song as it is, I think live, it's just too long for this early point. It needed to be maybe a bigger moment. I think people were still ready for something a little more energetic. But if you're going to do new ones, maybe throw in a Take the Long Way, throw in a Never Destination, throw in an All Right. Like, especially whoever said, just feels like it's been played and played and played over and over. Even Super Blood Wolf Moon would have worked, even though the the one that they played this year was dreadful. If they wanted to get it together again, Super Blood would have fit after why go and then you would have gotten some differentiation between the gigaton and even if you go super blood wolf moon which is like a three and a half minute song into seven o'clock it probably balances it out a little bit more but i agree with you that i love seven o'clock i love hearing it live and i'm gonna pass it over to the guru in a second but and yes we'll 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 make this like an actual segment where you're <laughs> you're recording in in your house and sending me the track afterwards we'll we'll make it sound that way i'm waiting (laughs) (laughs) and this time i'll 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 have the track right away at least right right (laughs) (laughs) that's no dang i was i'm just playing but i go back to the msg i think i might have mentioned it recently the msg version of seven o'clock felt like we just had a lot of fun with the first couple songs 
and now we're all going to go grab beer. And it did get the sense that a lot of people just bailed to go grab beer and go to the bathroom during this. And I get it. I don't do that for any song. I get it. But I still think that this is a really good live song. So now we're going to throw to the guru and see what he has to say about this because he really digs this song sonically and he's going to give me his take. from a non-recorded version because we're actually live recording this tonight. But anyways, and I think I'm going to just continue the conversation that we were having with some of the people last night at the Christmas party. It's just, if I'm honest with you, this song started kind of like to grow on me slowly. And especially when I started to hear it live a little bit more, there's something very unique. I think it pushes them to play different sonically is very different of what we have heard in the past because if we look at this segment in between whoever said and seven o'clock i personally like whoever said a lot i don't mind to listen to in a live version i think it's a great song but seven o'clock for me has a different taste it's just it's different tech like as we have said in previous episodes like these guys are using midi controller stuff right now and it's a little bit more high tech and i think you hear the full potential what this is new equipment is doing for them and i don't think i've ever and you guys are the expert on stats and all this stuff and correct me if i'm wrong but i don't think we had a song in the catalog right now that it offers this combo of this up in crescendo super intense to a break to a moment of silence where you can only hear ed and then it's like you guys said it's like it's like a song that it builds up the wave to a point that it needs to crash to make sense again and especially with all those reverbs and all that stuff, it's just, it has grown on me tremendously over time. And I think it's a really good example of how, I don't know if I want to say that it might be a clue what's coming next on the new record, but I think sonically pushes them to play different and to even take a different approach over the instrument, which is refreshing after 33 years. I think it's, it's always a positive. It's better studio than live and I think it's something that you can tell they messed with a lot in the studio and I don't know that it's ever really connected with a crowd live and yes there's some really good versions Ed gets super into it but I don't think it's one of those that grabs a crowd in the way that they hoped it would so you get two back-to-back gigaton and now this portion of the set for the next five or six songs I believe it's five you're going to get what the hardcore fan is there to see. 
the rarities, the stuff that you're chasing, the things that you thought that maybe you'd never get in your life. And I just want to thank the requester for this song, one of my favorites off of Vitalogy. I had seen it before, but it is very, very difficult nowadays to go and see Trevor Christ. And boy, that was a nice little kickoff to, okay, here we go. Kind of like how God's Dice the night prior was like, yep, we're going to start here. We're going to go to Faithful, and then later we're going to go to In My Tree and all those. Trevor Christ is a good beginning to that. practiced it's a little more cramped than versions that i really like and again the versions i like the most are probably from 1995 which you just can't compare but i like when the song is a little bit more open and the riff is a little looser and the riff being looser also gives more open space for jeff and i think you have to hear jeff the most during this song and you do hear jeff He's very vibrant during the song. You have to hear Jeff, but I think they could have put emphasis and highlighted him a little bit more in this version. But again, not something that's really in their repertoire to practice or do every single night. So they're just doing it. And however it turns out is going to be fine because it's the novelty factor that is what matters. It's a little tentative at first, but you can tell like they just needed to get through that first few measures of it and then it's like okay we can do this i think there's a little moment where i think stone and matt get like off for just a second it's like okay and then they get it figured out quickly but yeah i mean surprises i mean this song almost never shows up and yeah anytime it pops up now you're like wow that's something special and randy if i remember right i think we were both like triple christ we were both like yeah we were very excited and i i don't know i i, I might hurt some sensitivities around it, the area with the following comment but i think tremor crisis is one of the few songs that it sounds a little better half step down interesting i think it sounds pretty good half step down if you ask me we're not going to talk about comatose right but um <laughs> <laughs> that was last week. yeah but yeah you know, I could see that, like, Tremor Christ is already a darker, kind of moodier song, and if you, when you tune it down, it's not going to lose that. I will say, before we go on to Evenflow, that I did do Tremor Christ in karaoke, because Amy had signed up for it, and Amy wanted me to do it, 
and she had left. So when they called out Amy and, and I saw Trevor Christ on the screen, we're like, okay, I'm doing it. I felt really good about it. So the next time we do one, I might be on top of Trevor Christ yet again. So I think you flow, did a great version. Well, I appreciate that. I wish I had some video of it, but yeah, again, next time, next time. The even flow spot, this is the Javier spot. I'm going to dub this for, for this episode. So Mike's bag of tricks that you talked about last week, it's basically the same thing in my ears, but I want to know if you're hearing something different than what we heard from the last show last week. Well, there is out of tune guitar at the end. I don't know. I think he broke his string. I think he broke his string for this one. I'm pretty sure that there was something with the G string because at the end you can tell that he's kind of trying to play the riff, but he can't. So he kind of like, ah, oh, fuck it. He just skip it and he started to noodle around with something else. But I just really liked the, the approach that he's taken right now because I don't know if you guys have seen the Chris Shiflett podcast episode that he did with him. That they yep. kind of like dig through like equipment and all that stuff. And his setup is a little bit more simple right now, but he's goofing around so much with his amps and kind of like selecting and going back and forth in between different settings for the amp that he's using. And he's just basically blasting three amps at once with an EP booster, which is something that we talked last week, which is, is going to kind of like scoop your signal and make it like super creamy and going to have like a little bit of extra flavor and spark. But of course, I mean, he's going to show you all the tricks, but I think the version of Night One and Vivian Flow, I think it's my favorite in between both. But I think it's fun to see that he's going for a simpler approach. He doesn't need a two-mile pedal board just to melt your face with more basic stuff equipment-wise, if that makes any sense. In a way, it does. But then in a way, it doesn't. Because, again, I'm learning so much from you. But I feel like I need to be there and look at a board and know exactly what I'm doing on the board to really get it. But right, 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 right. Yeah. It's one of those things. I, I trust you. <laughs> and again, it's not that you need like a gigantic thing just to execute. He always has used certain elements that they are familiar to us now, right? It's especially because we have been talking about like in both of you guys have gotten so much better in like, hey, I think he's using a Univive or he's using a Rotosphere or he's using this and that. You already recognize certain sounds that they are so for example, right now he's not using any two screamers, which is odd because he's a very well known user of two screamers. And now he's using this little tiny pedal that it basically scoops your signal and puts you in front of everything and you can melt faces regardless, you know? I think it's kind of cool that he's taking that approach now. I will say that heading into the end part of the song could have been spelling disaster because Ed had a really bad count in that they all ignored, thankfully. And they're like, uh, we do this every night. We know when to come in on this. Because he's just like <laughs> mid-riff going, one, two, and just nope, nope. So thankfully, they finish off on the right note. It wasn't a disaster. It was great singing from the crowd. And then the ending lick for Mike sounded really cool on those two. I like that. More rarities. Green disease was another request. And I seem to remember that you caught what it was on the false start. And I didn't. I had no idea. Yeah, when I heard like that, 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 I was like, great disease, great disease. And I think I was like, kind of like grabbing your t-shirt. And I'm sorry if I did it too strong. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But I'm like, 
yeah, they're playing Green Disease. That's something that I thought that I was never going to hear live, like ever. on my list of songs that I needed and it's been on my list for a very very long time top Ryan Act song for me and the only thing that I'll say about it is that you, you kind of get to headbanging you kind of get into it and they're going for it it's just such a quick song that it almost felt like snapping the finger it was over it was really really hard to savor that so when talking about the night two set list sometimes I will forget, and a lot of it has to do with an upcoming song in about a minute or so, but a lot of the times I'll forget about Green Disease just because my visual memory of it, it was so quick, I couldn't even react to it. And again, I'm also like live tweeting during these shows, so sometimes I could be fumbling around with that or look at it like, I try not to, I try to do it really quick and then go, but maybe I got overly excited on that aspect and I, I and my head just block some of it out but i wish that i had a better visual of this happening i think i did take some video of it though so i probably should look at that a little bit more green disease is a great underrated song from right act but especially getting jeff front and center too i don't think he's doing all of the little runs and fills that he used to do in it but i was going to ask you that because i i I have the same impression but you're the bass guy here and i was just kind of like did he do the whole run or did he skip certain things i don't think they featured him as much as they used to like in those 2003 versions Mm -hmm. but it's still a really good bass line and one of one of my favorites off that record and anytime jeff gets a spotlight it's good so yeah and again you're getting kind of rare song Mike, rare song, Mike, rare song, little pattern going here. And yeah, Tremor Christ brought back for the first time since 2018 and Green Disease brought back for the first time since that summer of 2018 as well. So it's been gone a long time. Going into Immortality, you put the last 10 years of Immortality together and you think of other songs and you think that, okay, sometimes they'll have to tweak little things within those songs to either slow down the pace, change the tuning. Immortality feels like they've done nothing to it, that they've kept it exactly the way it's been for the last decade or two, and it still works amazing live. This is an unbelievable version, just very dark and plotting, and it had that tension with McCready waiting for that moment and just right when he gets to it it's white hot he gets a little spacey before that and it's just one of those versions where it is every piece from immortality that you want from this matt goes a little crazy at the end you get jeff doing the run at the end it was fantastic yeah it's all about that jam at the end and they build to it i mean mike obviously just takes it over completely but 
after that solo they do a little build and they all kind of crowd around like they used to and go into this little jam it's just fantastic and yeah it just brings you back to the classic Pearl Jam sound that you know they can still do very impressive Green Disease and Trevor Christ, you know, made that list, and this was very, very high on the songs that I wanted to hear again because I hadn't seen it since my first show. And I feel like when we did an episode where we talked about it earlier this year, we had you talk a little bit about the sound and comparing what the really riffy and heavy verses are to the more of the like angelic choruses. And when you were talking about that, like in listening to whatever version that was, it could have been Philadelphia. I think it might've been, but I grew a new found appreciation for it. You hear those things all the time. And, and then like, once you digest it a little more and realize like, I get what they're doing now, it all comes together. And, and this year I feel like marker in the sand has been sort of my returned favorite, like the song that I've kind of listened to the most that I have really paid attention to in the last bunch of years. So I was so excited and you kind of remember, I think we both just <laughs> shot out of a cannon and yeah. Yeah. I remember when we started to hear that, like the, when Matt started with the one, and you can hear it over the microphone, he was saying like one, two, three, yeah, four, and I'm like, no, 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 you, you can't, no, no, wait, wait, and then like we heard the first couple of riffs, and yeah, I think we both were like, Marker the
slap that you said that you found this new vibe for the song i always thought that it was such an underrated tune that i don't know if people maybe didn't pay attention to it but for me it's kind of like the perfect mix when kiss finds the rolling stones you know like that open chord beautiful melody that you have at the end but then you have that digging over the instrument over the first part with the first couple of riffs for me it's like a really good combo of elements and if you add like the super weird tuning and then like the use of capo it's just i think it's like a super high mic moment for sure as a writer and this was kind of the theme early on because you know you had st paul and as we started to get in chicago night two we have 12 tour debuts at this show literally half of the songs and you know that's somewhat to be expected this is only the fourth show of the tour but you kept seeing this and you saw them digging deeper into these albums and i think that's kind of the theme of this past year is like how fan friendly they were being and how deep they were going into the catalog because they knew that people were traveling to shows they knew that people were going to be following them around and wanting to give them that unique experience each night not wanting to just play and Pearl Jam's never been cookie cutter but they sometimes will pick from the same you might get 80 songs on the tour you might get 90 but for this tour they broke out things that they hadn't done in a long time and, and Marker hadn't been played since 2016 86 shows you kept seeing that as the tour went on and down into Texas and everything where especially Avocado Record and Binaural you saw them go deeper into those records than they'd done in a very long time yeah, the avocado storyline was kind of big for me because in two nights, I don't remember the last time they've really done this. And again, Inside Job and Comeback feel like the more common of the avocado record songs. But to get four in a two-night stay in one city, that's kind of remarkable. I don't really know the last time that they had done that or even like two shows back-to-back gotten that much. And having it be at this time i think yeah it's appreciation for the fans but you got to give the band a little bit of credit too because sometimes i I wonder if they're just thinking about things it's like okay well we play corduroy and we play all the stuff from 10 and we play a very consistent basis and balance you know and bringing some tour debuts and stuff back here and there but the songs like marker in the sand and green disease and tremor christ i wonder if they just kind of sit there Maybe they go back, maybe they they put on a record or something like that and listen to it and they're like, you know what, we just miss these songs. It just would feel really good to play them again. And and probably in their eyes, they've messed up Marker in the Sand before. It's a tricky song to play live. So I wonder if some of the songs kind of have that sort of negative connotation to them, if they're thinking in that aspect. But you have to think that you know, they wrote these songs and felt good enough to put these songs on a record. So there has to be something that comes within them that says, we still love these songs, we want to play them, and we also, in the same vein, the fans haven't heard this in years, so we're giving them a treat as well. I think this is the perfect combination for everybody kind of getting what they want. And no, I can see them next year going the whole tour and not playing Marker in the Sand once, but that's just kind of how it all gets put together and all kind of crumbles. So very, very cool. And they love their songs. Just keep that in mind as 
some of the songs I'm sure are a challenge. And as we talked about, I believe we talked about in the party a little bit that there are some songs that Mike doesn't like Ed doesn't like on and on and on. They still have love for those songs somewhere because again, they all made a, a record. So the only thing else that I want to mention here, aside from, I just love the performance and it was on a high from the whole thing was that, uh, there was a guy sitting next to us and he was getting really excited the whole night. And he would turn to me a couple times and he'd be like, well, what's this song? And like gigaton songs. And, and he turned to me for this one. He said, well, what's this song? And I told him and he wrote it down in his notes. Hmm. And then he, turns to me and uh, i don't want to repeat this but what did he call me javier uh i have to say that everyone who listened to this podcast from now on must refer to randy as the godfather because of that night uh i know that john is sitting there like (laughs) nope nope (laughs) not doing that yeah, no, it will never happen. But when, like, he yeah, would, yeah. like, yeah, you're like the the Pearl Jam Godfather, and I'm like, that's so funny. I'm gonna use it later on against you at some point. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, he was such a cool guy too, and I think he he ended up going home with a few stickers from uh, Live on Four Legs, right? Oh yeah, yeah, I hooked him up. I, I, he left. He went and sat somewhere else during the encore. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's a bummer. I could have gotten his contact info. And like, it wasn't until after the show that he knew that I was, I don't want to say godfather, but knew that like I was in this position of having a platform. And then God, I, you mean God, you mean godfather, right? No, no, just, you know, <laughs> your mild mannered podcaster, uh, you know, just, just small potato stuff. <laughs> and that Godfather thing, it's going to come back to haunt me because nobody's going to be like, oh my God, like, you know so much, you're the Godfather. And they're going to be waiting on hands and knees and they're going to be like, the first thing that I fuck up, they're going to be like, oh, there's the Godfather striking again. Mm-hmm, real Godfather you are. It's not going to be in a positive connotation at all. It's going to be like, haha, you're a fucking moron. They called you Godfather and you can't live up to that. I, <laughs> I think it's going to go on the other end. I think you have to feel protected because you're the Godfather. Nobody well, fucks around with the Godfather, but, uh, you know. He's gonna find a horse head in his bed. <laughs> yeah, well, um, and, and there is proof, by the way. If you look on the Apple Podcast comments, you'll see him actually say that. So now Ed is introducing Jeff on the twelve-string bass, and here I liken the rest of the show to a boxing match. And you have a heavyweight battle, the top dog, and then kind of an underdog contender. And the underdog for the first few rounds, like going to like round four or five, you know, he's getting his strikes in and big heavyweight guys like, "Ah, you know what, play a little defense. I'll take like one shot back, but no, I'm not going to take any shots. Like, I'll just let you, I'll let you go. I'll let you go a little bit. And think about like a young underdog kind of guy. He's like, all right, come on, come on. I'm going to, I'm going to get you with a big shot. And that's what putting Tremor Christ and Marker to Santa Green Disease and some of those other songs, like the Gigaton songs are, they're like getting the little shots, little shots. And you get to like the fourth or fifth round. And now the heavyweight's like, I'm done. Boom, 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 boom. 10 song, 10 song. Luke and Ten Song, and then every other song from that point on is going to be either a Ten Song or just a massive hit. So 
the rest of the way is kind of the 10 bloodbath here. Six, 10 songs, and almost every other song is one. And we start with Deep, then it's going to go into Black. The one thing on Deep that I just want to mention, I am a little worn out with Deep because it does feel like one of those rare songs that just comes in a little too much. That's sort of, again, a collector kind of thing. But if you're following and you kind of get the trends a little bit, then Deep always seemed to be the one that, like, whoa, they play Deep. That's special. And I think that little part that you talk about lost its luster for me a little bit after hearing it a little bit last year and hearing this version. I, I just don't get excited for it as much as I used to. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's a song from 10. It's never going to be gone for too long. But it's had, peri- yeah, had periods of time where you'd get it at like a special show and be like whoa they haven't brought that out in like two or three years kind of deal or like once a tour or something but you're right especially in the last couple years where it has been more 10 heavy than not deep garden even to an extent once they all sort of find their way in over more avocado type songs more no code type songs. we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about what was cut for once here Anything on Deep, anything from Black for you guys? I thought that Black was pretty good. You thought that Black was pretty good? I think Black is their best live song right now. This is just epic completely. And again, I'm a sucker for a Black improv, and we get one here talking about Chicago and maybe a little bit of seeing the sunrise and everything. And yeah, I thought this was stellar performance. Isn't it interesting that the last five weeks we've been talking about improvs and they've been like, I'm going to kill you. And like, I'm fucking crazy. And this is like, you know, sunrise over Chicago. Yeah. The the attitude has changed. Yeah. Things have changed (laughs) a lot. So Luke and Porch are going to end your main set. Javier, I want to get your take on this for Porch. Yeah. I thought that a lot of the solo, there's almost like a struggle here between Mike and Stone, where it feels like Mike is off and doing something, and then Stone slowly just changes it and kind of forces Mike's hand a little bit, and they kind of get into a little back and forth. Now, yeah. Mike is obviously louder in the mix than Stone is, but like the tandem is working really well because Mike is listening to what Stone is doing and kind of following in his lead. Yeah, and I love when they do that because the Stones get super riffy. It reminds me of night two of St. Paul of this tour when Stones started to get super riffy and 
not necessarily just to playing like just going in the background and and i think whenever stone gets into that point like you said it's kind of like mike is going to be like oh okay you're doing this i'm, I'm going to tag along and then jeff tags along too so it becomes more like a groove kind of like everybody's tagging along kind of thing instead of just like okay you're going solo and i'm going solo and i love when they do that don't get me wrong i mean it's it's, it's super nice to see when like really kicks in and hits the gas sometimes but it's just when they found that perfect pocket when everyone is doing something that sounds absolutely different but for some reason fits i love those versions of porch and they have been doing that a lot recently yeah absolutely and you get in this version if you watch the video it is just hanging out right by matt the whole entire time he's just kind of watching what he's doing i thought that he'd even come kind of close to pulling out some drumsticks or something i i thought he was like looking to play he was just fascinated by matt but it looked like he was just back there you know seconds away from just joining in on the action but he does the guitar brings out the pick garden shine thing that gets in your eyes that fucking stings that like <laughs> that thing fucking travels what i was gonna say in the section this is where we need to include the filthy fill oh because, because there is a filthy fill by mr matt cameron this version Filthy Bills, I appreciate you bringing that to the table. And, and in 2024, we're starting Filthy Licks, right? Yes, I'm going to get a Filthy Lick section designed for the, the podcast. I haven't okay. figured it out yet, but I, I will get it done. <laughs> right. Things to look forward to, for sure. All right, Encore break. They don't take much of a break, and we're not going to take much of a break because we're at the Encore at about 90 minutes into this episode. This is already about the allotted time that you get from a full live on four legs episode but again this is our season finale this is the last of the year this is also a three-headed beast of all of us together on this telling stories of a show that we were at you're gonna get a long long one so on poor break identification is being paused for and i want to thank everybody that came to the party we had a blast we had so much fun and we played the name that tune that was a lot of fun with anthony kind of hosting the whole thing and heard great performances like we mentioned before from john and zach and brian and it's just great to get together and kind of just enjoy company and again it's over zoom so zoom can be kind of distant sometimes and it can kind of remind you of ugh, like 2020 and have that little sour taste in your mouth but like we're all from all different parts of the world and it was just great to just hang out like javier it was like well who you jason me mike kerbier ned and who else was at the end uh, aaron. And, aaron and aaron yeah, yeah. It, we, and let me tell you that coffee felt great this morning <laughs> Because it was very slow. <laughs> That's the only thing that I want to say. <laughs> I think I was the only person on East Coast time, so I yeah. stopped it at two thirty. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, it it was around two for me, 
and <laughs> I went to bed and oh wait, it's already six. I have to get up already. Uh, yeah, it yeah. was it was very slow, but yeah, I yeah we 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 get it done. We get it done. <laughs> Just a fun time, guys. And and next year, if you want to get on the gift exchange, you should. It's a great time. Everybody was really happy with what they got, and yeah, just all the endorphins and the positivity just passing around. So, Patreon stuff. I want to thank. There was one patron that did join up after the party, and that was Terry Bedard joining up on the bonus like tier. So, thank you very nice. much, Terry. Thanks, Terry. And thanks, Terry. There, <laughs> thanks, Terry. And thank and, you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this is this is getting off the rails, I suppose. I'll I'll plug the thing. Uh, patreoncom slash on for legs. It's important to donate this month if you want to help us out at all, because this month is when our bill comes in for our website functions and everything like that. It's just really important that we get that together. And because we get that together, because we're looking to be funded in that aspect. If we get a little bit of help, that means we do save a little bit more for 2024 when we will be dependent on going out on tour and hopefully getting to all the places and get you guys content. So that's what it's going in for, and I hope you guys are appreciative of that. And we doing the reaction episodes are really important to us. So if you guys can pitch in a little bit, again, the bonus like tiers, just a dollar a month or $10 for the year, and then all the content that you get, I think it's just icing on the cake. And we've had some good content lately. We've had two evolution episodes, Indifference, and then the surprise episode with Out of My Mind, focusing, of course, on the extremely rare song that got brought back this year. We usually do that at the end of the year. And I would love to think that we have an episode of the Gear Garage kind of in process and thoughts right now, right? I, you mentioned an idea to me like last week, and I like that idea, but I, why, don't you, why don't you plug that? Why don't we try and get some people into that? Yeah, there might have certain guitar that I got a few weeks ago from a certain guitar player that we know that I might use for the episode. And actually, I think we're going to go with that idea. I think it's a great idea. We can make it work, especially because now I do have the elements to make it sound in the way that it should. I thought, because we want to do like a mailbag thing where people kind of send you some questions and they're like, oh, how do you create this sound? I can't recreate this. Like, do you still want to do that? Yeah, I would love to do that. And actually, like, shout out to Travis because awesome dude. We have been talking so much about guitars and tone, and I've been asking him stuff and he's asking me stuff. And, and, and yeah, like, for example, it was Zach, right? Last night that he played. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, the, we, we were chatting. The, we were saying, like, hey, let's play something together for the next party or whatever we hang out in. I would love to hear from you guys because I know that over Patreon, some people have asked specific stuff and I'm always going to be willing to answer to what I know and I can help you with. And especially, I always think that maybe can be inspiration for someone and maybe there's somebody who is taking their first steps in this instrument thing and I would love to help, you know? And, and that's that's what it's all about. Absolutely. Yeah, so if you're interested in that right into the podcast or just send Javier or I a message on Facebook or wherever, but live on four legs podcast at gmail.com. And yeah, we'll set something up. I think that'll be a really good episode to kind of answer some questions and try to bring things to attention that maybe people are having a hard time with. So that'll be a good one when that comes out in 2024. So again, 
this is like the last week of the year. Of course, Christmas time is a crazy chaotic time for everyone. But if you have a little bit extra and you want to donate to what we're doing and get some exclusive content, if you like what you're listening to every week and you haven't been on Patreon, then there's a lot to listen to over there that honestly, a lot of it could be better than you can argue that it might be better than what we do every week. And that's saying a lot. So patreon.com slash live on four legs or go to the patreon app and search for live on four legs or go to live on four legs.com read the best of piece that came out really really well and then click the become a patron button and you'll be in again for as low as a dollar a month or if you'd like an episode request or a profile episode on yourself you can do either the five dollar gigaleg tier or the ten dollar horizon leg tier so all that is available to you guys okay back to the rock again this is going to be a little bit of a long sequence but let's try to trim it down it doesn't take long before they are back out it's really just dead and he then kind of converses with a guy in the front who says it's my 21st birthday and we want some wine so he asks him for his id and he just laughs and he's like you look fucking high how did you get your driver's license and they let you smoke that much weed when you got it and yeah, you know, they're just having fun with it and they're making a moment of it and it gets the kid a bottle of wine that's what happens on the 21st birthday so lucky him i can't remember the name but i think i did see somebody that mentioned that they were friends of him somewhere on some forum so there you have that all right ed says i want to create a moment so he calls out yet again for the second show in a row chris chelios and Ed wants to do a little tribute to the late Rocky Wirtz, who was the Blackhawks owner. And I have a tough time with this because, you know, he says he's a great, great man. And, and yeah, he kind of changed the culture around the Blackhawks a little bit. The Blackhawks had a really tough following in like the late 90s early 2000s when they weren't a playoff team they were really bad and his father bill Wirtz, and shout out to bradley for kind of confirming a little bit of this to me because i kind of knew the story but not in the exact way but bill Wirtz, he was seeing that there weren't a lot of fans in the stands and the attendance was very low so he blacked out all the home games and was forcing people to go to the games if they wanted to see the Black Auto. And once he passed away and passed it down to, to Rocky, he made sure that culture changed. That was something that was a net positive. Obviously, they won three Stanley Cups. That's also a positive. But the negative, and obviously it all kind of coming down in the months and the year before he passes, just does not set a good light on it. There was a situation back in the 2009 or 2010 season. A player named Kyle Beach was sexually assaulted by a video coach, and he had reported it to the team. The team kept it quiet, and nobody knew about it for years. And then he brought it to justice and brought it to light. And it's been a whole fucking mess. Just, I, I can't sit here and say like let's celebrate rocky works right now i just can't do that because of that happened that should and again back 13 14 years ago 
like they just don't want anything to get out like they just if if we cover it up then it doesn't matter it's nothing but like now where people are taking this shit very very seriously you you can't do that and you shouldn't have done that back then that was just plain awful and i can't sit here and say let's all talk about him being a great great man and chanting for rocky 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 when that all went down so sorry i even talked about it for that long but even in the crowd it felt like not everybody wanted to do that so he asks for everyone to turn their phone lights on and like okay and it this goes on for a for a long time and all of a sudden like we're not at a Pearl Jam show now. We're like a pep rally all of a sudden. This is like, what, 15 or 20 minutes at least? Yeah, it's a good while. I think it was 10. I think on the bootleg it said it's 10, but it definitely felt like a long time. But yeah, okay. So Chelios is out there, and the whole reason for him being there is that, you know, Rocky Words had one final wish, and that was that Chelios got his number seven retired. There is a little bit of bitterness in Chicago that another player, Brent Seabrook, wore number seven, and people are a little like, well, if he's getting retired, then Seabrook should get retired. And look, I'm a Rangers fan, and I think they have three numbers that are retired for two people. So Chelios fucking deserves it. Just let him have it. They do the whole thing. They play the video, and then Ed says, play the video. They play the video. Then he says, no, 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 stop. And it just. It took a while to get going, and the video was kind of long, but in the end, yes, it was very cool to see a hockey legend get announced in the building that, you know, he played a majority of his career that he was going to have his number retired. That's not something that you could say you've seen every day. So I, I thought that that was cool, and the whole entire band comes out in Blackhawks jerseys to congratulate him. And just a nice moment but again the rocky word stuff just not sitting with me again i'm not a hockey fan i haven't been for a long time but i obviously i know who chris chili you're a winnipeg jets fan i thought oh don't even start don't even start but this is just strange to me like all of a sudden we're doing like a pep rally at a pearl gym show like yeah i'm like retire the guy's number that's fine but why are we doing this now? Like, why is the Pearl Jam show the best time to do this? Him this and Chelios are good friends. That's but yeah. But again, bring him out. Have it be a moment. Bring him out before giving a fly. Be like, hey, they're gonna do a thing. But but you're playing like a highlight video, and we're doing this whole thing. Like, it's very very strange. We took me out of the show completely when we were watching this. What did you think being there? Did you have any thoughts about it? I, I think were you in the bathroom for a little bit on this? We were finding beverages with Joey. Good call. Okay. And I agree with what you said, Randy, even though that like I don't know much about the situation. But yeah, it was kind of weird because you kind of want to have the respect that maybe like it's an important situation, like a number is being taken away and it's being kept right because of what it means for the community and the hockey fans and everything. But yeah, John is just right. It was just like kind of like too long. And it felt it didn't fit there. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe the band felt the same. I mean, they want to be supportive. Who knows? But then everybody's wearing the shirt and they, they're trying to play Given to Fly with the shirts. And then Mike is kind of like, fuck it. I'm not going to wear the shirt anymore. It, like, it's a fucking right. sweater. Right. It's, yeah. I don't like wearing of, sweaters to hockey, hockey games, you know? Right. But yeah, Joey and I we were trying to find hydration at that point. 
again, Rangers fan. I just like the history of hockey. But for people like Bradley and Lori and Aaron that are Blackhawks fans, that was probably pretty important to them. So give it to them. And yeah, a more regional thing than anything else. Shouldn't have dumped on it this much, but give the fans their due, I suppose. So yeah, sorry if if you guys really hold that in really high regard. No, like, but like, do a pep rally at the United Center. Have make just have it be for Blackhawks fans. You could do a whole separate thing for it, and then just bring well, him out for one minute and dedicate the song to him. I don't know. Anyway, so they do give him a fly here, as you mentioned. It's the tenth best moment of the year from our piece. And I think more so than having a hockey connection, because my connection through hockey with this song is that when they played this at my first show, MSG in 2008, they mentioned Brian Leach and that Brian Leach wanted the band to play at his Jersey retirement and they couldn't make that happen. And then they dedicated giving a fly to him. So I less think it's about hockey and more think it's about a song that is about overcoming the odds in order to prosper. And athletics are like that, especially for a full career where it takes a toll on your body, it takes a toll on your mind, and you really have to condition yourself. And yeah, to win in pro sports is extremely difficult. Chargers fans probably know that. And I like that aspect of playing Given to Fly for that. You proved that you were one of the best at what you did, and you overcame those odds. You took out the fuckers, and you still stand. And basically, that is Chelios' career. He took out fuckers, and he stood up tall. So it makes a lot of sense. All right, now we're going to go back into 10 stuff. It's going to be 10, no code 10, and then we'll get into our end. But we're getting once, and then we're going to get Smile, and we're going to get Garden. A shout-out to Matt Durda and the High Watts for once, because I want to say that Matt Durda has been a really good dude, and he had been talking a long time about this being the last song he needed from 10. He's not the first person that I've talked to that said that like once happened to be like their white whale from the record. It's just strange. You'd think for most people it was Oceans. Oceans was the last one I Release was mine. Release was the last one I got. Another weird one, yeah. So he mentioned it night one when I caught up with him and he gets it night two and it's one of those things where you keep that in your memory you're like oh it was oh they played it for Matt they played it for Matt and that's that's awesome so what I want you guys to do I want you guys to do a favor for Matt he and his band the High Watts they are up for the best rock band in Chicago and if you go to his Twitter Matt Durda Music if you go there he has some things posted where you can vote just take a second help him out and help his band out vote for them for the best rock band in chicago because they work really hard they're a good band and, and they really them, deserve check it. their music out too don't don't just vote check their music out it's very like replacements meets a little like full country it, it's it's good stuff it's good yeah. stuff so shout out to him i figured that i say that because he's just an overall really good dude and yeah good crowd on once and i thought really well paced and Singing along is good, but again, it's another 10 song, so it, it was a good performance that didn't make a wave for me in either direction of like, whoa, you know, that makes the show for me. It's just part of the set. Well, how would you have felt if they played Leash, which was the original choice here? A lot better. Yeah. A lot better. 
but that's a curious choice. I don't know why you you go to once here, but again, I also wouldn't do leash before you go around to the back, though. Yeah, yeah, weird. I mean, we talked about how last week that encore I thought was perfect, built one after another, just a no perfect encore, and this one I think is maybe not that, but once is fine if you're. It gets the big crowd moment. You get people get to put their fingers up in the air. Mike goes down in front and has a moment with some people in the crowd. It's fun, but again, it's it's never going to be alive. It's never going to be ports. It's never going to be black. I don't think it hits as much as they think it hits, maybe. Not sure about that. I, I just know it seemed like everybody was in on the 10 stuff. It's the record, so I get it. And we're going to bring something up when we get to the ratings about the two shows. So just keep that in mind. It's very interesting. But they're going to go around to the back, and he says that Stone's going to play a little bass guitar. And then Ed's going to mention Coda, who we mentioned last week, the nine-year-old girl who got the birthday sign around the back when they did Wishlist. So Ed says she knew every single word to the songs. And that's another shout-out to Coda and Jason right there. Very cool. Smile is very fun. When you're not behind the stage, I've been behind the stage and I've enjoyed. And the thing is, when you're behind the stage and you don't see the band the whole entire night, you don't care. But sometimes when you are facing towards the band and they do go behind the stage, you lose a little bit of it. You get so used to them being in position the whole entire night, then they flip around and you kind of have to watch on a screen of what's going on. It it takes you out of it a little bit, but you get the vibe. You understand what's going on. Yeah, and the song choices are specifically picked to be the kind of more fun, upbeat songs and the, sh- the shorter ones. They're not going to do a six or seven minute song to the back. It's going to be a quick two or three minute thing and then they'll be back. But yeah, Smile here is super fun. You know, I think I thought Jeff nailed the guitar part. Stone gets a shout out on the bass. So yeah, it's just super fun. Now you go back to Garden and you go back to 10 and you go to Garden. Garden was like the big song last year. It was like the, the comeback player of the year, if you want to say. And Garden only gets played twice this year. And it has that same kind of momentum built up. But again, Garden really succeeded when it was part of the first four or five songs in the set. That like That is where it seems like it should belong at this point. So getting Garden back in the encore again, it, it's fine. But I would have really loved to have seen it in the beginning. That would have been out of this world. Yeah, I think if it's so much better in that seated section now, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, I love the Rift of Stone place. I think it's just so hypnotizing. But yeah, th- this kind of order is kind of weird because, like, John was saying, like, th- there's a lot of really fun songs that people can kind of like sing along. But Garden feels that it should have been more like in the first five, you know? Yeah, because again, it, like, it has the vibe, it, it can be sort of the third song that kind of separates you if you're doing small town and daughter that kind of takes you into a different mood and then maybe the mood swings back a little bit like it's heavy and you do need some heavy stuff for early in the set but it also works as a sit-down song probably because of that so they showed their hand with that last year and they opened with it in oklahoma city and they played a terrific version of it in ottawa so yeah i would have liked that and getting it in the encore is fine and good but again this is the splattering of 10 so it does have that aspect to that that we just get this all at once basically so 
before we get to the bread and butter, Ed says we're all affected by the loss of Charlie Watts, and now the Stones have a new record that's coming out. And of course, he's going to mention that because who's the producer of that record? This one, Andrew Watt. Won't get into any Stone stuff about that record. I've listened to it. It's it's fine. It is what it is. But they do Street Fight Man here for the fifth time ever, doing it twice in 2022 after not doing it at all since 1994. I thought it was cool to get the cover rarity a little sloppy in some spots but javier is this a tough song to play live it feels like it could be yeah yeah and especially because it was down tuned so i think that's why it sounds a little sloppy even though that the stone songs like a lot of people think they're like oh yeah the stone songs are just like three chords and that's it like there's so much more complexity into it because it's open tuning like keith richards doesn't use the sixth string on his guitar if you guys didn't know that and i agree with you i remember that like when i heard the first couple of chords i'm like this is awesome because i really like this song but then i was kind of like there's maybe something missing here so i appreciate the effort but i was kind of like well maybe a, a different song but yeah I, I thought that it was a little sloppy too yeah, and he kind of does this thing. He's trying to, like, get Chicago. He says, like, Chicago at one point. Then he says Seattle at another point. And, like, it just happened so quick that you really just didn't attach to it. It felt random. So, it, yeah, fine. I'm cool seeing it and all that. It was kind of fun seeing it. But also, it's the end of your night. And the celebration of the party is happening here. They're only going to play a couple more songs in Chicago. So why not play The Stones? It's a weird choice. I mean, we talked about Surrender last week and how that can kind of be a little weird for Pearl Jam to do, but they made it work and they added things to it and, like, they made it a big moment. But they don't do that with Street Fighting Man. There's no big moment in it. And there are plenty of Stone songs that do have big moments that they could do, but Pearl Jam's not going to choose the obvious one. So, again, you're doing it here and then going into... You're going to get Baba a couple of songs later, like that's the big moment like street fighting man it just feels like why like it doesn't feel like it belongs that was the leash spot if they wanted to do leash that yeah. should have been that yeah. so all right siren rings loud for live that's your signal that your night and your trip to chicago is coming to a close so it's all about soaking in the moments here when the lights go up you're looking around and seeing people pump their fist and just seeing them celebrate this big moment uh, this is a very shreddy mic solo too just very quintessential when you think about the alive solo like that is the sound that comes to my mind first i don't know if you feel the same way javier but it just felt like the more traditional way of going about it yeah this one like the one on night one is i think 
all the alive versions that I've heard in the past couple of years, I think Chicago Night One is up there for me right now because the solo at the end is absolutely outstanding. But yeah, this Night Two felt like going back to basics, maybe recovering some of the old licks that they were used in the original recording. And he absolutely nailed it. And then you get that interaction with the audience and then everybody's like you said like fist pumping in and like you you know that you're celebrating because your night is getting to an end even though that he doesn't know how to remember the original part <laughs> on the interview with shiflet but yeah it was an awesome version but it's you're celebrating i was celebrating because i saw friends that i really wanted to see because we haven't seen each other for such a long time but then it's kind of like well the night is going to an end so there's a little bit of sadness to it too the lights are on and you're like well we have a couple more and then that's it yeah, I mean, it's it's just bittersweet. Like, I wish you can hear Alive once as, like, the main set closer to just go all out with it and not have to worry about that aspect, but it's supposed to tug at your heart I guess, so it makes sense. What if this was the kick down the chair song? That'd be something. I don't even know. Why would they even be in chairs to start with? Exactly. But you guys are completely burying the lead because we have to talk about Ed's hat here. Are we in a barbershop quartet now? Like, what is he doing with this hat? Like, this I don't is... know. He's like the Jack Johnson look because he's had a lot of those hats where when he does the solo shows, like, that's the kind of thing he's been wearing. Yeah. Like, the straw hat yeah. kind of and I, and I get that. Like, that's fine. It's more of a relaxed atmosphere. This is a rock and roll show, not a barbershop quartet. Dude's turning 59 in, like, a week. Like, that's... I don't know, like, seeing pictures of him, like, as an actual father, and seeing, like, how he dresses as a father, like, you're, you're like, okay, he's, you know, he's... This is Grandpa Ed Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. You just dress differently. There's a point when you grow up, and, I don't know, it's not that you stop wearing t-shirts or anything like that, but you, you just kind of grow into, yeah, an elderly here, look. There, there's another show, I forget which one it was, but he wore the hat the whole show. And it's like, come on, man. But there's also, like, some weird tambourine drama. Like, he throws a tambourine out yeah. pretty far. And, like, you see in the crowd, like, a couple of people, like, kind of dive for it. And, like, there's, like, a tug of war going on. And he has to kind of stop and be like, hey, hey, uh-uh, watch it. Like, nope, be cool. And, like, it goes on for a few seconds. Like, I don't know what happened that if it got ripped in half or whatever. But there was, some, like, some shenanigans going on with the tambourine there. Yeah, tough to tell. I, I don't know if I was, maybe at the time I was checking that out, but I think I was more locked into the important matters of the night. So, yeah, Baba, I got some things on Baba because I felt like a big reaction from that crowd. Now, you kind of got the sense after a live that they were going to go all out for the rest of the night. And for Baba, I took my phone out and I waited up until the moment where everybody gets to sing. And I'm like, you know what? This feels like a night where I want to capture this moment because it seems like every single person is going to be at the top of their lungs on this. And I took my phone out. I, I kind of left it in my pocket for most of this night, you know, video wise and picture wise. I don't think we we're close enough to get great pictures, but I decided I, I wanted that on video and I wanted to see and hear the reaction to that. And it was loud.
loud and it was just kind of an incredible moment. And every now and again when going through my videos, Ben likes to go to the photo albums and he likes to just finger through the videos and stuff and they'll stop at that and be like, Ben, listen to this, listen to this. And obviously he just wants to watch videos of himself making pizza or something like that. So, you know, maybe someday he'll be more interested in that. But yeah, it was a moment. It was really something special. Yeah, I second that because I also had my phone out because, like, during Baba, like, the crowd was getting loud. And for a second, I, it, it, made me, it made me think back of those South American shows. It got close. Not quite there yet, but, yeah, during that part, like, the United Center was loud and it was intense. It was an awesome moment. I, I had my phone out. I think at that point, Joe was hanging out with us too, Randy, right? Like, he was kind of, like, around the corner or something like that. Well, I think when the lights came on, we saw Joey and Nick because yeah, they were, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, right yeah. below us. Yeah. So, well, I remember, and, and I'm going to mention this after Ledbetter, because we had a whole moment, the four of us, so, uh, but I don't think we were necessarily standing together. I think we just were able to wave to each other and, like, saw each other all rocking out and stuff like that, so. Yeah, but that, that was a cool moment. That was a really quite special. There's a funny moment where Mike is just doing laps around the stage, and near it gets to the end, and Ed finally is kind of done singing, he's like, Oh, I'm gonna do a lap, and they kind of have a moment where they're kind of not necessarily chasing each other, but kind of going around doing a little race. And then you see Jeff kind of like start to go, like goes halfway, and like should I? And then he goes, "No, I'm good." And then just goes back to where he was standing and lets them do their thing. God, 30 years ago, he would have been winning the race. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> better is our final goodbye, and again, it's just one last time to take the mental pictures and to think about you know all the happy moments that happened and yeah you walk out and you're a happy man and i don't got much more to say about the song but i remember afterwards we just like looked at each other and just gave each other a big hug we just like yeah we just felt that moment we went through that whole entire show and it was fucking great and yeah Anyway, then we went back downstairs, and that's when we saw Nick and Joey, and then all four of us just got in a huddle. We were like, ah, and we all just jumped up and down and hugged each other. Just, again, it feels like family moments, not just like buddies hanging out. You're, you're just family with all these people. You guys understand it. I don't need to go into it in further detail, but these people are brothers and sisters, all of you, so... Yeah, we, yeah, we all get that was, these feelings. That was that was awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. I, I remember the hug and then everybody was kinda like so excited. Like like we kinda like guys we did it and it's definitely a special show to me because I was again I was able to see people that I wanted to see for a while and I mean, I'm still missing John. Hopefully for 2024, we'll, we'll figure something out. But hey, we, we saw you in St. Louis. I was there. Yeah, St. Louis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. St. Louis 22. But yeah, I'm it's kind of top of that, even though the, the impact that the band has on you. I think it said something about that on St. Paul Night 2, when he says, like, yeah, friends that they go on the road to see Pearl Jam or something like that. And I, and I felt that, and that's how I feel now. I'm like, I'm looking forward to see the band again, of course, but now it's more about looking forward to see my friends, you know? Yeah, it really turns into the family aspect. I think... I think that's always kind of what I wanted out of this podcast was just like a way to get in and 
find people that were like-minded because it was, I don't know, it's sometimes tough when you go to the shows and you go with somebody that, you know, if you go, if I went with my wife or my brother, like they're not going to want to mingle with Pearl Jam fans. So we just kind of have time to ourselves, but I wanted to kind of be that. And I wanted to connect with people that can say that I've seen present tense five times and have a conversation just have it turned into an hour or two of just bullshitting. So and essentially turned into two 30 in the morning where we're still talking about what lost dogs we haven't seen yet. So yeah, yeah, that's right. I, yeah. I think if that was the whole reason why you guys started this, or that was the, the main idea behind it, Randy, I think you have succeeded. Well, I hope so at this point or else you wouldn't exist. Right. Right, but I, I, I think you, you have done a great job, my friend. I think the whole point, it has been done. I mean, I, I cannot be more thankful and grateful that if you guys don't know the story, how after a couple of beers, I started to rant about guitars and stuff like that. And now here we are almost a year after as part of this podcast. And it's, it's been an amazing journey. Well, I am the godfather. And you are the godfather, so don't ever forget that. <laughs> Made him not break and refuse. All right, let's uh, pick some moments from this one. I don't know who should go first, so I'm going to take the helm here and just go first. I'm going to say that number three for me, I'm going to give number three to Present Tense. That was one I was really looking forward to before getting into the show. Like I said, I really wanted to see it open one of the two nights. Unfortunately, that didn't happen, but very excited to see it and got exactly what you wanted out of it. I'm going to go number two. I'm actually going to say, I'm going to say come back for number two and not put that at number one because I want a happy moment to be number one. But come back is two because you cannot ignore what happens when you get hit with that power. So I have to put it in the top three. And number one for me is going to be Marker and Sand because that was just a freak out moment. So, John, what do you got? Yeah, my number three is going to be Immortality. My number two is Black. And my number one is Comeback. Javier? Ah, this one is tough. Can I get four? No, just because I'm the guest? No? Okay. Mm. Uh, for me, number three is going to be Green Disease. I'm torn about this one. Number two is going to be present tense. And number one is going to be Marker in the Sound. I never thought that I was going to hear Marker in the Sound live ever. Yeah, I had never thought I'd hear it again. Like that, again, I think the perfect song to hear at that time with Avocado riding really high on. So, well, now that we picked a couple of moments, this is going to be an interesting rating because... I want to get to here. I put this out on Twitter today. I asked people what they thought their ideal instant classic show was. And everybody has different answers. And I think that's great. People bring into the factor that, okay, it's rarities. It's album shows. Some people really like storytelling aspects. Some people like special guests. And everybody has their own version of what would be considered an instant classic to them. That first night, to me, was instant classic. I think a lot of it comes from theme and balance. And again, I love storytelling, so telling stories to get to songs is my bread and butter, and that's what I want to hear. And I thought after the first night, like, I didn't think that 
you could top it, but I also thought that everybody else was going to feel the same way. So I put the poll out on Twitter today. Uh, all I wrote was, a score needs to be settled. Chicago 9-5-23, Chicago 9-7-23. And I don't want to say that I'm surprised by the results, but it's just different shows for different people. So for a long time, it was very close to being 50-50 with even the night two show being like at 52 to 48 kind of deal. But as it stands right now, it's still an ongoing poll. As it stands right now, the night one show is at 53% and the night two show is at 46. That's a very, very slim margin. And to me, like if it's in my eyes and the world that I'd envision for it, I would have thought it would have been more like 70-30. But again, a lot of the 10 songs being played, really important to people. That's what they want to hear, that memory from when they first put in that cassette as a 14 or 15-year-old. I fully get that. I'm on board. I'm the kind of guy that's like, I want the variety, and you do get variety from this show. You just get knocked out with the 10 songs later. That takes me out of it just a little bit. I felt like there was a little bit of negative discussion from some of these songs, and I, I, I don't didn't want that to come across that way. Some of the things just had little details that felt like we kind of lingered on about a little bit. But I did have a really good feeling after this show. I did get the vibe, and I might not have come off as the rating that I'm going to give this, but I really do think this one deserves a nine. Fair. Yeah, I mean, there's some really good stuff in the show. I talked about at the beginning, the seated section is one of the best of the tour. And there's some great stuff here. You get the rarities. It is very 10 heavy. And for some people, that's plus. I can't, yeah, I, I just, I, I can't let the recency bias affect me. I think we let that a little bit in last week. But again, I wasn't there. You guys were there. For me, this is an eight and a half. I think for me, the only thing that I will find as quote unquote negative is like you said, like that so many 10 songs at the end. I mean, and I don't want to sound picky, but I would rather listen to something else at this point. But what I want to rescue about this is, and it's something related that what we were talking with some of the guys last night at the Christmas party. It's just the fact that this band has grown in so much intensity in the past couple of years because I feel that they have sometimes like Ed is going to be a little bit more winded and maybe he was going to need a little bit more help. So musically, musically for me, it's just a joy just to listen like some of the stuff that they're doing and they're pulling. And even though that I was not on the first show, I don't think that it gets to the impact that instant classic because when you see the set and you listen to the the show even though you were not there you you can recognize right away the night one it was like an instant classic so for me even though that i want to rescue so many things it's still not there and even though that it was a great time with all of you guys that they were present there it's just i, I will say that i'm very comfortable with like just setting a nine for the show that's yeah totally fair and again maybe in later years it's a little bit different and i think you know, most shows that I've gone to in the last decade, I can say the general vibe of just seeing people and being there and especially like the Chicago shows were just a family reunion. Like 
It tends across the board for every social aspect of being at this night and the night before. Like, it just the whole thing was something I'm really going to treasure for the rest of my life. So, yeah, that's what you get out of that. And, guys, we have done it. We are officially done with episodes for the 2023 year. And we're going to get into 2024. Once 2024 does happen, we do have an episode next week. It is the Hall of Fame episode. So that is kind of our look back for the year, year review, essentially. And I think there are other things that we can talk about, we can discuss in that one and kind of break it up a little bit. Obviously, I think we'll get into some of the schedule stuff that we will have some episodes for you next year, especially early on, and kind of what our plan is and what we'll be doing. And yeah, I am excited to see what happens. I'm excited to do different things. I think one of the things, and this isn't really a live on four legs thing, but I mentioned the game show thing that we did last night. I mentioned that all the way in the beginning that Anthony is going to be doing a game show for touring fan live and he wants me to host it. And that's a little thing like another step towards like doing more and bringing more content for the community. And I'm just like, I'm in love with doing that and i'm loving with giving that stuff to you like it just it's it's so much fun to do it and i had a lot of fun this year just making podcasts and being a part of that and i'm just looking to grow more i thought this year was a huge growing point again with you javier and i I just want to mention that ever since you came on last time and i kept calling you javier i haven't done that i haven't had to owe any money into the jar (laughs) <laughs> so I just wanted to bring that up. Hey, I'll take that as a Christmas present. I'm grateful. <laughs> but like just in, including you into the shows, it was a new element. It just kept it fresh. I'll be looking for other things to keep it fresh for 2024. I think we'll do that. And hopefully we'll get to some of your guys' memories as well or turn you on to a new bootleg, whatever it is. It's Pearl Jam. It's always going to be something. It's always going to be something good to talk about and tell stories. So that's where we are with this one. And now we're at the end of this. And I know for a lot of you guys that this one was about, like, if you know, you know, if you're in the inner circle, like, you get all the inside jokes. And a lot of people just wanted to hear the song banter. There's a lot of song banter. I don't apologize for the friendship stuff, but... I guess I get if you felt a little on the outside, but hey, look, everybody is welcome to come to the Zoom parties and hang out with us. We're just a, you know, we're we're a good bunch. We're a good bunch. We have fun. And, you know, if you ever want to come hang out with us at shows and go to pregames, we're always open. We always want to invite everybody. So that's what it's all about. Just passing it down to the next person. Javier? It was great to have you on. I would predict that you could probably be on more episodes in 2024, and we'll figure that all out. So excited for that. And yeah, I'm excited for more gear garages and more of everything. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you, guys. It's just a joy just to share this with you and being part of this community and getting to know the people that now I can call friends. It's you, Randy, John, Aaron, Lori, Amy, and now Jason, that, that is part of that, that, that little group that we have there. But yeah, thank you for having me. It's just, it's always fun to just to 
get one of this shows live and be part of more like a more like interactive conversation. Like I said, you impressed the hell out of me. So anytime, dude. All right, guys, if you're interested in subscribing and don't subscribe, head to the podcast platform that you are listening to it on right now and make sure you do hit subscribe. That way, you know, when our episodes do come out and if you are on Apple or Spotify, make sure you give us a five star rating. If you really like the content and if maybe this one was a little bit out of reach for you today, go back to some of the older ones or go to the next one and make a decision on whether or not you think we deserve the five stars. I think that's fair. This was a fun episode for us, but this is very much a callback to the Matt era. I get that. But again, recency bias and being there, it's going to have a lot more stories. That's just kind of what happens. But if also you're on apple podcast and you want to leave us a comment please feel free you don't have to call me the godfather that's already happened let that be the past and uh yeah but hey look it just goes to the next person so if anybody's looking for a pearl jam podcast and wants to relive their old memories then just gotta look at the comments and if you say something good like hey you know these guys did this show and this is a show i went to and i really like their take on it whatever then please share with the people it's really really important that it just gets passed around word of mouth and that is a lot of what 2023 was so all right let's officially mark the close of the book for this year, this may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, miss you already. Miss you always. For Randy Sobel here in Syracuse, New York. For John Farrar over there in Smyrna, Georgia. And Javier the Gear Guru Hervas from Cedar Falls, Iowa. We have been proud to give you the podcast for 2023. We are hoping 2024 has a brand new album and a brand new tour. We have high hopes. We think it's probably happening. It's definitely happening. So until next year, be good to yourselves. Have a great holiday and we'll keep the content coming. Good night. Take it out of here. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli.